What's good, Bracago? What up, what up, what up? This is Khalif here. This is the Spawn of Me podcast, episode 314 of our show. We are rocking with some really dope folks today. But before we get to them, I got to say a huge shout out to everybody in the podcast land, in Twitch land, and in X-Ray land. Shout out to you all for rocking with us this week and every week on our show. We have mad love for you. It has been fantastic to chill with y'all on the internets and in the interwebs and all the places where you congregate. Uh, we had a fun time hanging out with everybody last week. It was super dope uh, getting a chance to talk to nobody because we had no guests last week. That was the way that just worked. It was just me just rocking out and hanging out and chilling. But it was great to be able to talk about all the dope games we got a chance to play and get a chance to hang out with all of you here and on the podcast lanes. Um, something really dope is about to happen. The show that I have been trying to book for God knows how many years, the show that I have been trying to make happen for many, many decades. I had hair. Decades. I had hair. I had hair when I started to try to get this show done and to get and to get these folks and to get one one particular folk on the show with us tonight. So if you have been paying attention to the internet, you have seen this fantastic Game Informer uh, piece uh, on Brass Lion Entertainment uh, talking about Corner Wolves, a game that I'm super, super excited for to hear about and to learn more about. We have those folks rocking with us this week on Spawn On Me. Give it up for the dope folks from Brass Lion Entertainment. What up? What up? What up? Yo. How are you all doing? Good, man. Thank you for having Word. us. It's been, it's, been, it's been a while in the making. I, I am excited. I'm excited for the fact that we have finally gotten everybody together. I want to go around the room and let everyone introduce themselves first so that everybody at home can understand who you are and what you bring to, to this wonderful table. So I'm Manveer Hare. Uh, I'm the chief visionary officer and co-founder of Brass Lion uh, Entertainment. And uh, I previously worked at BioWare on the Mass Effect franchise. Rashad? Yeah, I'm Rashad. Um... I'm the chief creative officer, and uh, previously I worked at uh, Bethesda, so I did a Skyrim, Fallout 3, um, traveled the world, did a stint in Germany, you know, uh, Crisis 3, Rise, um, went down to New Zealand, linked up with these two, now I'm back up here, so. <laughs> Sorry, I have a cold. <laughs> we, we, we stole him back. We <laughs> Brian Adabi Smith, I'm the CEO and executive producer of Brass Lion, co-founder. Um, I'm really just here to watch you and Manvir talk. I'm just going to talk cash. Yeah. cash. I'm just going to talk cash at all. All I mean, long. I mean, the, the whole, like, if most people have watched our interactions at this point for at least the past year and a half, they must be wondering what the hell is going on because all we talk about is ketchup and mustard I for mean, most of the time that we have conversations. We, we beefing about condiments. I mean, well, what it is, like, you know. <laughs> Mandir takes food very seriously, it's very, so it's very important. That's that's actually all love. <laughs> well, one of the things that we that I definitely want to talk to you all about. First of all, for the folks who are not familiar with what Corner Wolves is is trying to bring to the table and what you what you three as Brass Lion are doing, give the folks at home a little bit of an overview of what the game is going to wind up being and how you're trying to uh, pull all those things together. And and I love the ethos of what. Brass Lion is bringing to the table, and I'd love for you all to talk about that. Whomever wants to jump in. Yeah, I can start off with that. Um, I'll, I'll first talk about the company real fast and then dovetail into the game. So for us, we really looked at 
what is not being addressed in the market. Um, I think all of us care about diversity and diversity of race, age, religion, culture, finances, etc. And we find that there's a lot of games that are very much the same. We're playing the same franchises over and over. Um, so basically, we started the company as kind of to create diverse voices center on, for example, black and brown voices, LGBTQ voices, etc. So um, taking that kind of model of make the games and center the developers as well as being from those groups of people, uh, we all formed up um, and created Brass Lion. Um, the first project that we're doing is Cora Wolves. It's set in 1990s Harlem um, at the height of the drug war. You play an Afro-Latina. I can't think of many Afro-Latinas in video games, especially the ones of the protagonists. Um, her name is Jacinta, uh, and she's basically trying to find her father's killer, Poppy, is murdered outside the bodega that he works at. So the game is really you delving into the criminal underworld of Harlem, understanding the systemic oppression and lack of opportunity that exists there, and you just trying to survive. Now, you from New York, uh, and like you from the BX, like BX was even rougher maybe than, than that part of Uptown, right? So Oh, for real, for real. So, like, you know... The, the the inner city in the 80s and 90s were, were rough places. Rashad grew up there. You kind of grew up there. I grew up more in the burbs uh, outside D.C., but still had access to kind of see both sides of the world. And so really wanted to get a lens on that. Um, so really, yeah, just kind of trying to examine the ideas of um, oppression and systemic uh, racism, but through a very character-focused lens, through an action RPG kind of genre, have dope combat, have a hip-hop-based soundtrack um, that we have Just Blaze, a Grammy Award-winning producer, uh, making for us. Uh, and that, that's basically the genesis of it. And uh, I was, I'm fortunate enough to have these two amazing people with me um, who believe in the company and the project and who can help build out not just this project, but our, our future ones as well. Word. I mean, one of the things that I know we had small conversations way back in the day about what the possibilities of some of this project would be. And the, you know, I, of course, being a a, a, a kid from the Bronx, this automatically perked my ears up immediately because I was like, this is my life to a certain extent. These are right. like the people that I interact with on a, on a, on a daily. Um, how important was it to make sure that not only were you bringing this kind of a story to the world, but setting it in the place that you did, like how important was it to make sure that all those things were together? I mean, like, I think this is going to probably feel like a period piece to like a lot of people, but for us, this is just us, you know? And I think that's one of the really cool things about um, the game industry is I had a lot of experiences, um, you know, playing other, you know, games that had nothing to do with me or my culture and like gaining that as an experience and, you know, now we get the chance to basically contribute our experiences back into the industry. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be a really uh, cool thing for like a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, one of the first things. And I love the work that you've done on the art side, because that that one very um, that kind of one corner 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 piece that you see with the bodega kind of sitting on the corner and everybody kind of congregating around that. That it just it just brought me back home. Uh, instantly to, to to all the stuff that I remember. Um, and I think of, you know, the bodega uh, is the cornerstone of the hood to a certain extent, right? It's like the place where all the people congregate. It's the place where, you know, you meet 
you meet up to go to a spot or you or you go there to go get your morning Everybody's breakfast. Everybody's got, got like their spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, I feel like the bodega in, in New York is, you know, for people who were Puerto Rican or Dominican and away from home, it was the place they went to call, like get cards and, and call home. It was the place that if they didn't have money would give them credit and, to, and, and you know, the whole system, it was very community-based, very fami- familial, you know, not very... It, it wasn't about, um, you know, like the way 7-Eleven runs or, you know, like the, the, <laughs> the, the, the corporations run. And I think that concept of community has always been important to me. And that concept of how communities that are frankly impoverished and kind of dealing with oppressive conditions, because you kind of have to band together. And even in the worst circumstances, and it doesn't mean that people aren't beefing them. There's not still problems because obviously there are. Um, but you, you see people kind of coming together closer because it's out of necessity almost um, and trying to explore it through that lens. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hyped to see not only just the, the multifacets of the game, right? Like the artists coming together, was getting small snippets of that part. The, you kind of laid out the, the foundation of what the story is going to wind up being and how important that's going to be to not only connect to, again, the ethos of, of what Brass Lion is doing, but also to tell a story that we don't see or hear or, 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 or visualize often. I'm, I'm curious, Brian, from your perspective, having worked on games like Sleeping Dogs and such, when you're, when you're thinking about how you're not only pitching this game to other folks, but also when you're kind of gathering up uh, Bonvier and, and Rashad to say, you know, this is the forward movement that we need to have to kind of get this thing done from a project management perspective and from all of those things. How are you thinking about, about the project? These two make it pretty easy. Um, I've worked with a lot of creatives through the years and uh, they're, they're both, they've both been in the industry for a long time. So they're pretty pragmatic at this point. Um, so they're making smart decisions from the beginning and they're really quick to figure out what works and what doesn't. So keeping things on track with the two of them is a lot easier. Um, in terms of pitching, uh, I think the concept has just, it, it, it speaks for itself so well. I think that almost has just been so natural and so easy because we're, we're just explaining, um, what it, what it is and what it can be to people. And so it hasn't been a hard sell at all. It's just, you know, you're, I think there's a lot of appetite for something that feels a little different, not just from people who are, you know, like all of us looking for this type of story, but from people who recognize that, even if they're just looking at it from a business perspective, there's an open space that needs to be occupied. So whether they're interested in this because they think it creatively, you know, deserves to be made or they're interested in it because they want to make money off of it, there's still um, a lot of appetite for it from either perspective. That makes me super excited and really happy because we know we've been on the internet for God knows how long. Uh, we understand. And, and one of the reasons why I'm pulling not only just specifically for this project, but for for you, Mun, is that we have all battled and won- and kind of gone through the storm of Gamergate and racists online and all the whack people who talk a whole bunch of shit. And the conversation we've all had, you know, both online and in person, has always been about the outside the outlier the outside folks. I'm sorry, who have been like, yo. We hear you talking all this stuff about diversity. <laughs> Why don't you go take your ball and go make it yourself? Yep. And this is exactly <laughs> the thing that I'm so excited to, to to rock with this is because this is exactly the, the the middle finger to all those folks, right? Which is like, this story doesn't get told. 
I'm gonna gr- I'm gonna group up, form dopeness Voltron, get people who are cool to make this thing happen. When you finally kind of captured the idea and the essence of what Corner Wolves was gonna be, and then you said, okay, I have this idea, I want to I want to push this forward. What was kind of the first thing you kind of started to do to, to kind of make it real? Um, I mean, honestly, the first thing I kind of did was start working on a pitch deck. So, like, how would I? Because um, I, when I started, it was actually I was just on my own. Um, Brian right. was like, we had talked, and she's like, hey, if you ever need any help on like the business side of things, let me know. But I wasn't mm. quite there yet. I didn't know what I, I knew. I wanted to make something, but I didn't know what I was. I didn't know what I was getting into yet. <laughs> and Rashad and I hadn't talked at all yet. Um, so for me, it was being like, okay, I have an idea. Um, I have an idea that I want to make something that's around diversity or around diverse characters, but also kind of talks about race in a very upfront way instead of the kind of backwards way that a lot of RPGs where they, you know, I worked on Mass Effect and I love the Mass Effect franchise. I'm really proud of the work that we did on the franchise lines there. Um, but like a lot of the race discussions happen across like different species and it's very kind of, it's it, it, sci-fi sometimes does that instead of like actually just being like, well, no, here's the interhuman problems that are, uh, mm. that are happening. So, uh, or intra. Um, so really I wanted to kind of tackle it head on and I felt like the war on drugs, you know, the more I was reading, the more, more it was, how terrible it was. That felt like a good place. And also I come from gameplay design. So I design systems, I design combat, I design those things. So I also thought about what am I good at? So simulating systems in a game through RPG stuff, because I've made RPGs for the last nine, 10 years, um, made the most sense to me. Uh, one of the other parts that I'm really excited to talk to you about is that hip hop culture is going to be running in and out of this throughout the whole thing. It's part of the foundation of it. It is part of, you know, not only what I, what I constantly say is the culture, cause it is the culture. Um, it is. Yeah. How, how is it that you, what, what are some of the ways that you're besides the music that I want to talk to you about specifically, what are some of the other ways you want to kind of infuse hip hop culture within this game and in the, in the framework of it? Uh, yeah. I mean, so from first off, I think, you know, most of the main characters you're going to come across are younger. They're going to be like, you know, somewhere between let's say 18 and 25. Um, and if it's the mid nineties, that's pretty much the hip hop generation. That's the generation we all kind of grew up in. I was a little bit younger at that point, but um, you know, I was a teenager as well. So kind of first off our generation, we were there. Two is you think about things like um, what you're wearing, right? So are you wearing your your fitted? Are you wearing your chain? Are you wearing your your Air Force Ones, your Uptowns, right? Uh, your Tims. So uh, not that we're going to necessarily get those brands, but like we can make you know things that are reminiscent of that of sneaker culture and clothes and fashion. And the reason the game is set in Harlem is that you know it's one of the most iconic places. Um, like looks wise where people were, you know, Dapper Dan is out there pushing out and just, mm-hmm. just, just going wild on the culture till like everybody shuts him down. And now he's got his own uh, atelier with Gucci, which I'm super awesome, uh, excited to see. Um, so looking at the, the style, the look, the, the graffiti, the murals on the wall, the, the way that people were snapping and roasting each other, right? Like we were talking <laughs> kind of about the culture of, of, of making fun, but like, Roast. What about what would what would roasting as gameplay look like? What would that be like, right? What's it like when you have to code switch in a game, right? Uh, mm. Conversation system, right? 
So because, because we use an Afro Latina because she has both Spanish and English, so there's, there's things we can play with there. So it's it's early. I don't have the answers for all of that stuff necessarily, but those are the sure. oh, those are the things that we talk about. And as we start prototyping systems and putting them together and put the pieces together, those are the things I want to that I think will stand us out because you. Well, yeah. So, um, you know, anime is like, you know, it's a thing, start thing, right? You know, it's like, and um, I think it just is really gonna sort of like remind people of like somewhere in between like the Saturday morning cartoons and, you know, the anime and, you know, all that stuff. Cause like, I think what Akira was like 86 or 88, I can't remember, but it was like, that was my first, first experience, you know? And that was like the first time that I saw that animation could be something besides Disney. And, mm. um, and I think that that cultural moment with like that and Dragon Ball Z and you know, all that stuff, is uh, very um, it's a part of the culture as much as like hip hop, you know. So yeah, I'm excited to that. kind of like to infuse that, you know, to the uh, work. I mean, the thing that I'm I'm the most excited about is kind of seeing what this world is going to look like. I was I was talking to somebody the other day yeah. about um, uh, what do I miss from home, uh, and they were like. Yo, there's like so many things that just like the sights and smells and 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 the way that the air feels and the way that the sun hits the buildings when it's when it's a certain way. And I was like, yeah, I was like, there are parts of New York that I can't stand and I don't want to go back for. But there are lots of different pieces that connect to me in a very specific way. And I remember pre-gentrification Harlem as being something that spoke to me in a very specific way. And that it does still have that classic feel to it. The way the brownstones look, the way that the blocks feel, you know, that feeling of 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 neighborhoodness and camaraderie that that was there throughout all that stuff. When you're thinking about world building in those ways, how do you make an authentic Harlem for folks who don't really understand what Harlem is all about? As a person who didn't live here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, none yeah. of us live there in all fairness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> You, you did actually uh yeah so i mean i guess when i think of harlem and i think of what people think of it it's like it's like the poet's version of harlem it's like when they talk about it you know mm. it conjures a specific memory and a specific thought of like what people think it is and whether or not it's you know accurate it's beautiful and so mm. um you know i think that we're going to take a lot of that, that beauty in the pros and apply that to the visuals of like what we're um, going to end up doing. Yeah. That makes me really happy. Cause I, I know uh, there are certain things that I, that I'm hoping for one uh, that I can get a part in, in one of the, in one of the roles to be the dude in the back of the bodega who's ushering all the cats away uh, to uh, there has yeah. to be a, a power up. That's a bacon, egg and cheese in a roll. No man, the power's gonna be the chop cheese. It's uptown. What you talking about? Oh god, come on, man. That's what I'm saying. All right, fine. No, that's the, reasonable. The, the bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. That's just a standard health pack up. You, you you want real health? You want to get the the mega health? That that is uh, chop cheese on a hero. Okay. Yo, Everybody hard one. I don't know if that's mega health, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I think no we're health. using the wrong word. Don't you contradict no me, health. sir. <laughs> 
No, this, this, but like, I can't the, even. The guy go selling, ahead, I'm sorry, go the, ahead. The, oh, I was just going to say, like, the guy selling nutcrackers down the street, right? Like, True. you know, uh, you might want to, like, a bunch of your listeners might not know what nutcrackers Yo, are. I saw that for the first time. I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was a drug sale. <laughs> we were, we, we were, we was in, um, we was on, like, 145th and Broadway. We like a, yeah. Yeah, at a taco, at a taco spot, like, in May. And Rashad's like, why is this guy just got a shopping cart and like styrofoam cups? And I was like, oh, he's selling nutcrackers. Nutcrackers is just like yep. homemade booze. <laughs> like you go to the you go to the beach, you get the homemade booze. You go like you get on the street. Like what's in it? Who fucking knows? It'll get you fucked up though. <laughs> like, no one no, no one knows what's in nutcrackers. Nutcrackers no. are like the secret sauce that no one has figured out what but they actually everyone are. Everyone has always had a good time on nutcrackers. It's a hundred percent chance to have a good time. I've had a nutcracker in City Island. I've had a nutcracker oh. Oh, on the way to this? Orchard Beach. Wait, wait. If you have a nutcracker in City Island, you started a fight, didn't you? You threw a, you threw a chair or something, didn't you? I threw a fishing pole at somebody <laughs> and it was in a ring. <laughs> See? Okay, that, that, that henny gets in you that's in the nutcracker. <laughs> you, you just get to fight. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, right? It's like, that's, again, there's like, there's a very specific essence that, that goes along with New Yorkness and especially in the outer boroughs in comparison to some parts of, <laughs> of Manhattan, but Harlem still continues to be this very specific thing. Alongside the visuals that go along with that, music in Harlem and music of, of, of the East Coast and especially of New York is something that, again, still hasn't really been matched or still hasn't really been mimicked in a way that we've seen hearing that you were going to be working with at some point just blaze on this project like i almost lost my my shit when you said that because i freaked out because i was like yo just is one of the dopest producers who have ever lived and to and to be able to snag him for your project can you talk a little bit about you know, the process of uh talking to just and bringing him on to the project and, and and what that means for for what corner walls is going to be yeah so just is obviously no stranger to games um he's worked on a lot of different um video games through the years including def jam vendetta which i worked on um, he worked with ea on a bunch of things back in the day um he's even done uh some work for um street fighter and stuff uh, he's, he's worked on a bunch of things um so he understands not only obviously um music in the period and all of the things that he's an expert at, but he also understands this medium in particular in a way that not a lot of producers do. Um, so when we brought the project to him, you know, we, we walked him through it and he was excited about it. He understood it. He got it right away. Um, and as someone who can see um, the value in bringing something like this to, to the market and the need for it, um, he was willing to be a part of it. So um, he signed on to work with us on it. Um, and we're really excited because we feel like music mm. is the heartbeat of the game, right? Without that, you, if you don't get the sound of the time, right, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. And it's, it's critical for us in telling a story that you really feel it. Um, and he understands how to do yeah, that better I mean, than anybody. So we're very excited. Well, what Brian said, I, music's not just the heartbeat of the game. It's the heartbeat of New York, right? Like, I mean, mm. you know, hip hop started in Boogie Down Bronx, like, like, it is so important. It's so culturally significant. It's so unique and, and sticks out that I can't, can you imagine in New York without hip hop? Like, like, no. like I, like, yes, obviously New York existed before like the, the late seventies, but it's not the New York that I know or care about because that's what I did. The world I grew up in um, mm. was the hip hop world. So just getting that authenticity is somebody who gets it um, and is, uh, secretly a big nerd like the rest of us um, is is really nice. 
I love that. I mean, I love hearing that because that's the thing that I, I think a lot of folks don't really recognize is just um, how important it has been for hip hop culture and for video games to have meshed. Right. And, and you don't really see a lot of it happen. Of course, the Def Jam series have been fantastic at, at bringing that home. Brian, did you have, you have a thought on that? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's waving in the chat room right now, by the way. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, snap. So what up, Justin in chat. Um, thank you for all your work. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for all the things you want that you've done in this world. Um, the, yeah, like there aren't, there haven't been a lot of examples of that work being done well. And also there haven't been a lot of examples of really going fully in on that, on that concept. Um, and to hear that you're all kind of have doing that with, with Justice's work is, uh, is phenomenal to hear. And that brings me a lot, a lot of joy. Cause I know it's going to be nasty. I got my Jansport ready. My Jansport <laughs> is, is, is ready to, to be pulled back out of storage at some point, uh, to be able to do right. that kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, cause that is exactly, uh, yeah, what the starter jacket with. somewhere in there. Oh my God. I had an eight ball jacket. Oh my God. I got beat up for my, my Raider bubble goose jacket. I mean, that's uh, right. <laughs> you gotta, get your, get, get, gotta get your North face uh, fit on. I have my North Face. I have my Helly Hansen I mean, rocking that jump for a little bit. I, I, I mean, J- just as a, a Ralph Lauren uh, like fanboy to the extreme, um, so we gotta you know try to rock the polo in there. I, that's dope. I, see, that's and again, that's like a part of the thing. Like, I know, I know you talked about this in the Game Informer piece a little bit, and I know you're still fleshing it all out. But how, have you have you had some some thoughts about just exactly what those aspects of the game are gonna are gonna be like? I know it's very difficult to get super branded stuff in there, but you can mimic some of the things that are, that are very specific to that era. What are the thoughts about kind of how you want to build out the world in those ways too? Is it going to be something that's like, you know, I get this eight ball, this, this, this almost eight ball jacket. That's a power up to gives me some more armor or something like that. Or some yeah. Of those things. I mean, I mean, like, look, like one of the early things I said, I was like, well, if there's collectibles in the game, they should be mixtapes. I got to get the purple tape. I got to get like, the, you know, some of the classic tapes that it kind of existed uh, in the culture because mixtapes were obviously how we passed music around back then. Um, things like getting the sneakers right. And so my guess is, you know, obviously we, we would love to, you know, have any brands involved that would want to be involved and you know, they should certainly holler. Um, but also we recognize the game has, you know, content around drugs and dealing and crime and some brands aren't going to really want to be that, do that. So, um, <laughs> you know, my guess is we're going to probably have to like make things that legally do not, there are enough of the silhouette of the shoe or whatever that, right. you know, it's reminiscent, but the name and something, uh, some significant thing is changed. You can't, you, yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll, We'll see. You never Absolutely. know. If we can get if we can get Timber Tim's or, <laughs> or Nike in there or any of the the stuff he's had, we move them up. Man, I'm I'm gonna lobby my ass off to see if y'all can get some Corner Wolves Tim's for real, for real, up in the, up in if if not in the game, some side branding thing. I will, I will jump on every roof to be like, yo, make that joint happen. And make them Corner Wolf beef and broccoli joints. I mean. I have yeah, like it would three, be super, super I, I own like three or four pairs of Tibbs. Like it's ridiculous. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> because you lived in Montreal where you needed them. 
<laughs> no, no, no. You've no. got you've got the dirty pair, the less dirty pair, the pristine pair. I have <laughs> and the backup, you haven't pulled them out yet. Pair. I have the ghost whites that I wore one there time, and they got oh scuffed. And I'm like, nope, we're not wearing these again. Like, I feel, I feel like they have very New York uh, things that that go along with that. It's like, when was the first time you got on the train? Where was the first place that you had your first kiss? And where was the store where you bought your first pair of Tim's? It was like all those things were all all connected in some form. Like, yeah, yeah, I was at the Jimmy Jazz down at BK. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> stuff like that. Everybody, we're going to take a quick break, two minute break really fast. We're going to let everybody grab some water. We're going to let everybody in the chat chill out. Shout out to Just again, who's who's up in the chat and to everyone who has been hanging out with us here uh, for our wonderful conversation with the dope folks from Brass Lions. <laughs> One second, we'll be right back. We'll be right back after this. This is Die Hardman, and you are listening to the Spawn on Me podcast. Welcome back to the Spawn on Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. This is episode 314 of our show. We are rocking with the dopeness that is Brass Lion Entertainment, talking all about Corner Wolves. Uh, if you missed the first part of the show, I don't know what how many nutcrackers you had. You need to calm that down. Put, put the black and miles down. Uh, all the stuff that you did right before you got up on the show, but you knew... You know to come back and, and check uh, check us out here. Um, one of the really cool parts of, again, that Game Informer piece that was so well done um, was talking about, and you alluded to a little bit, Mavir, earlier, was about, you know, the aspects of, you know, code switching within the game as a part of a uh, part of a game element. Uh, and also, you know, the conversations around some of the hard things that we as people of color deal with, especially when it comes to living in not only just urban spaces, but in America and across the world, when it comes to police officers and police brutality and, and all those things. I'm really excited to hear, you know, you all talk about how you want to kind of start to tackle some of those things within the game and then also kind of bridge into the conversations about, you know, do you feel like there are going to be parts that are going to make talking about that harder? Uh, when you're putting out a game, when we've heard constantly that people are like, we don't want to hear about politics in our, in our games. We don't want to hear about uh, societal issues coming up in the games that we play. Um, so for me, like, first off, I don't, 
yes, there's some people who just want escapism in games. And my, my comment is there's thousands, if not millions, of games being made that way right now. And so, like, the market is saturated there. What we don't have is as many games trying to say something deep or coming from an artistic point of view. You know, you have, and you have, you know, things like, I haven't played it yet, but like a Death Stranding that just came out. Or, um, you know, there's a lot of indie stuff that very much kind of comes from a very singular voice or not singular voice, but more of like a very focused voice. Um, and I think that, you know, talking about race is fine. And there's some people who don't want to play it, and that's okay. Like, we will not every game we're going to make is going to be about that, right? Like, we're, we'll probably mm. center black and brown characters, but like black and brown characters deserve escapist stories too. They, they deserve all of that stuff as well. It just happens to be, this is the first story we want to tell for me personally. This is what I've been kind of thinking about for the last five, six, seven years. So it's kind of stuck in my brain and for lack of a better term, I got to get it out so that I can move on (laughs) because it's just like as a creative, it's just all up, all up in there. Um, in terms of how we're going to express some of that stuff, like how it comes across, I think you just start thinking about, what are the, what are our unique perspectives of how that works? So, how am I a non-black man? I'm a, a, a Indian American. How have I had to speak white at times in my life and speak black at times in my life? Growing up in uh, the DC metro area, which was DC was sixty sixty five percent black when I was a kid, and like the county I'm in was fairly it wasn't nearly as, as black as that, but like it's still fairly mixed PG County majority black. Like we were grow grew up around a lot of Asians and, and, and Latinos and black folks, etc. I learned to code switch because kind of as an Asian you don't have your own language almost. And so I kind of just started mm. matching people's natural cadences to the point of like if I talked to my Indian grandmother who I would start speaking in a bad, broken Indian accent, like a poo almost, um, because Hmm. I'm just like matching the energy of somebody. So like thinking about how different characters do that when you have somebody who comes from a Spanish and English background, how you can play with that is one. Another thing is thinking about how good people can get pulled into hard places and exploring that and basically exploring how in, in, in the inner city, that's much more prevalent and likely, right? That the drug game isn't a bunch of evil, terrible people. It's people just trying to get by. And it's the only, mm. it's the only reasonable way that a lot of them can get by. And there are people taking advantage of the situation too. There's every types of people, but the most people caught up are just you know, everyday survivors just trying to go. Um, so I think creating those kind of characters, I, th- I think creating those kind of stories and then examining the things like the code switching and stuff through systems like a conversation system or, um, you know, uh, even it could be like a faction based system, right? Like if you talk in certain ways, maybe your loyalty will go up with certain groups and go down with other groups. Um, again, very early, couldn't tell you what's going to stick and what's not, but those are the ways that we're exploring. Is, is any of that stuff going to, well, I shouldn't say is, I'm sure some of that stuff will not only make it into the storyline and kind of the, you know, the, the, the plot of, of corner walls, but I'm sure that there will be parts of that are reflected in the art as well. Richard, can you, can you talk to, to us a little bit about how that stuff might pop up or at least the things you're thinking about in, in that respect? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, early days, you know, still. So, you know, I'm still doing a um, sort of like the concept phase of kind of developing the um, house style, but yep. it's really, you know, about honoring um, the color palette of Harlem, you know, on, on top of the architectural styles 
and um, all of the things that people in the neighborhood are familiar with. So, you know, the bodegas and the signage and the, you know, the um, posters and stuff like that, you know. Uh, so, you know, I think all of that stuff, you know, combined with, you know, the um, systems of just living in the game kind of give you that sort of like 360 picture of, you know, life, you know, in the neighborhood. And if I can tag on to that, um, the other thing that Rashad and I have talked about early is lighting. So straight up, how many games have you played that are first off way too dark and then Mm. are extra dark if you make your character black or brown or, you know, a darker skin tone? Um, Frankly, when I worked in the Mass Effect games, it's a problem because our environments are dark, the lighting passes come in late, but also the default characters were white. So a lot of people playing the default characters, but I'm out here playing a black or brown character because that's how I play my games if I can. My character uh, looked like Samuel Jackson. There you go. My, mine looked like uh, Sh- Shaq meets met Shaft. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can make those there. <laughs> um, but like, so we, we talk about like, well, what happens when the average skin tone is dark skin? Right. And the way hmm. that we light for those environments. I think a lot about the film Moonlight. Um, it had like mm-hmm. this kind of almost bluish hue on this. And I had never seen like dark skinned black folks lit so well ever uh, in a film. And it was beautiful and it was evocative. And that's something that you can aim for when the majority of your characters are going to be, you know, darker skinned people. And yes, there'll be the variety of the gamut within. There's light-skinned folks, there's dark-skinned folks, there's everything in between. There's white folks as well, right? There's East Asian, like every. There'll there'll probably be all of that in there, but the majority is going to be kind of a black and Latin kind of experience. And as a result, it's going to be a light that way. So I'm really excited to be able to kind of do that and not have to like get angry at an art director for the first time ever in my career that I can't see the damn characters in the dark uh-huh. because my character is a different color than everybody else's, which has literally happened on every project I've worked on, except for a first person shooter. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited at the, at just hearing the fact that you won't have to compromise any of that. Like that's a, that's a huge thing. Not only when you're, you know, building out the world, but also kind of, you know, sharing the way that the project is going to be from that perspective, because it is something that, you know, when you bring that up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like the lighting for all that stuff comes in in a certain way because of how they're trying to figure out how to build out the characters in the, in, in the world in that way. Um, the last thing I wanted to bug you before we let you go, because we're almost out of time and I know it's super late for you all. What's the one thing that you're really super excited to kind of like dig in deep with on the project? I know that there's usually lots of things that happen through the life cycle of a project. You have a lot of concepts that kind of come in. Some of those things stick. Some of those things don't. Um, but what's the one thing that you kind of in your role are really looking forward to nailing uh, for the project? Uh, I'm from the business perspective, I'm excited to see it uh, gel. You know, you, I'm excited to see all the things that don't make it because, you know, all the things that we're trying out because we're still early in development, all the things, the systems that we're, you know, giving a shot to and seeing, throwing at the wall to see what sticks. I'm excited to see those things start to um, peel away and the core of it start to really feel right. Because you hit a point in every game where um, you 
are able to um, really get a sense of exactly what that core goodness is and all the other stuff that's not important starts to starts to just get pulled away. I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited to see it just get to market because um, it, completing a game is, is uh, a marathon. And to see this go from, you know, it's original paper concept to, you know, where we are now and, and get through the prototyping phase and get to um, a real first playable and then go from there to have to see it transform again to get to, you know, an actual product on the market. I'm excited to just see it become real because all of those, I, I, you know, the, the, I worked on the Born Conspiracy and on my day one of the project, I stepped into a meeting where we were discussing how to change, you know, a level from being stealth to being action because the entire game had changed from what it was originally conceived to be. I, every game I've worked on, you see sort of those, those original ideas <laughs> shift so many times. I'm just excited to actually see it become real. La- last thoughts, Rashad? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with what everyone said. And um, visually, like, you know, I'm excited about that. Like a lot of people think about like the power of like consoles and PC for doing these really ultra real um, graphics and stuff like that. But we're at a point where you can pretty much style anything, any way you want to do it now, you know, Mm. and that, that hasn't always been the case. And so I'm excited about that. And then one of the other things that I'm also excited about is what the studio is going to look like in the future, because, Mm. you know, we've had, you know, a lot of emails from, you know, black and Brown minorities from, you know, all the major development places because they're actually looking for a home, like a real home, Mm. you know, and there's no other studio that's going to be able to provide that. And so we have the chance to be the first and we have the chance to kind of build something that other studios can look at and say, we should have done it like that. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, and that's, that's go ahead, go ahead, man. No, I mean, I I, I just want to say Rashad's so correct. Like I can't wait till like we have all the talented folks that exist that are like us and like who want to work with us because like Rashad said, we, we just the, the place to be. I, I can't wait for that. Let me say before, before we, we ended out on this episode that one, I'm, I'm so proud uh, of you month. You know, I've, I've known you for a minute. You've been going, you went through a lot of stuff during the process of all the mass effect stuff. You left, left that part of the game, came back, Super, super strong and, and, and informed a good team, found good dope folks to work with. Uh, you mustard eaten bastard. I love you. Uh, I'm really excited for this project. And I'm really excited for the fact that I will get to see a place that I hold really uh, dear to my heart represented in a way that makes me proud because I know the people who are doing it care. So I mean, that that is that is a, a huge thing. I mean, thank you so much. It means a ton to me, sincerely, um, as a non-native New Yorker and as a non-black person, um, because one thing we want to do is make sure they're always being very authentic and fair with what we make here. And I can't, I'm just excited to see your reaction and others. Word, word, word. Uh, everybody, that has been the episode rocking with the dope folks from Brassline Entertainment. Again, 
Thank you all for for hanging out super late uh, East Coast time and rocking with us here on Spawn on Me. Again, if whenever things pop off, you, we have the, the floor is yours. You can come back whenever you want and roll through and share some more good news with, with us and the rest of the folks here in Bricago. Uh If we are getting up out of here, let everybody let everybody know where they can find more information about you all and the game. Uh, I'll go around the table. Go ahead, man. Um, so you can go to um, ketchupistrash.com. Uh, that website. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, go to brasslineentertainment.com. Uh, you can follow us on socials on Twitter and on Instagram at, at brasslineent uh, and at cornerwolves uh, if you want to follow that. And I'm at King Curry Thunder on Twitter. Check out the Game Informer that came out. It's got like Diablo stuff in. It's the Blizzard issue, so it's dope as hell. And you know, we got a four-page thing about Brassline about Corner Wolves. So please check that out. Yeah, um, everything Mumbir just said. Uh, find us on socials. I'm at Beamy on Twitter. It's B E E M E. Really easy. And I am at Spice Brother One at Twitter. Again, thank you all for rocking with us, everybody in Chicago. Much love to you. We'll see you all next week, and we say. Peace. The Spawn on Me podcast can be found every Tuesday on all podcast platforms and Portland Radio at xray.fm 107.1 slash 91.1. You can find us live every Thursday on twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. If you want to reach out to us on the show, you can hit us up on our site, spawnonme.com. You can find all our social media information about our Twitter, Instagram, and everything else alongside our contact page if you want to reach out and shoot us a message or a business inquiry. Much love to you all. Thank you so much for listening every week. And we say... Peace.